down, down, down into the sea, sang Jonah. Gasping and nearly drowning, but God was not yet finished with Jonah. He sent a big fish to swallow Jonah in one gulp. Jonah found himself in the stomach of a great fish. Oh, it's so dark in here. What will become for me now? Maybe God will still hear me. Jonah turned to the Lord. Lord, thank you for saving me. Inside the fish, Jonah prayed for three days. I'm sorry I tried to hide from you. Please let me out of this terrible prison. I will do as you commanded. God heard Jonah and knew he had changed. He made the fish spit out Jonah onto the land. Thank you, merciful Lord, for delivering me safely to land. Now, Jonah... Go to Nineveh and tell those wicked people I am going to destroy them. Yes, Lord, I'm listening. I'm on my way. I want to welcome all of you that watch online every week. And one of the comments I have received the most on this study of Jonah is, I had no idea there was so much in that little story. There's so much there that goes deeper than a surface reading will allow. And as our young friend reminded us, there are many ways to interpret the story of Jonah. And we're going to come back to that in a moment. But I hope by now you recognize that this story is not asking the question, can a man live inside a fish? It's making us wrestle with a better question. How long can a man live with God when he's outside of God's will? Is Jonah ever going to surrender to a mission that makes him angry? And the genius of the book is that it ends in such a way that the answer becomes your concern. So... We know that Nineveh has had one of the greatest revivals in the history of the world. A revival Jonah did not pray for. A revival Jonah did not want. And neither Nineveh or Jonah knows what is going to happen. But Jonah suspects that God is a Christian. And that he is going to spare Nineveh. And the thought makes him angry. So we pick up the story now, chapter 4 in verse 5. It says, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and he waited to see what would happen to the city. And then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm. And God is sovereign. And if he tells something as big as a whale or small as a worm to go do something, they obey. And that worm chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head 
so that he grew faint, and he wanted to die. Have you kept this theme before us? He keeps wanting to die. What is it with this guy? He said, it'd be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Now watch what happens. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? In which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And also many animals. And so this great revival breaks out. And you would think Jonah would want to promote it. He'd want it to be prolonged. You'd think he'd be in the city. Setting up Bible studies. Starting prayer circles. Instead, he goes outside the city so that he can have... A pout fest. Because the truth is deep down. He wants Nineveh to backslide. He thinks if I get away. And there's no prophet of God in the city. They'll forget I was ever there. They'll go back to being who they used to be. God will see who they really are. And God will destroy the city after all. So he's out there. Having a pout fest. And then something happens that hasn't happened yet in the whole story. Jonah gets happy. Have you ever known people that are so consistently unhappy that if they ever get happy, you notice it? What makes this guy who has been miserable for four chapters finally happy? Is it the repentance of Nineveh? Is it his own obedience to the will of God to go to Nineveh? No. What makes Jonah happy is a plant. Because when you have spent most of your life being hot about something, a little shade is very welcome. And so Jonah takes his place in a long line of people who want to be comfortable more than they want to participate In what God is doing in the world. See both Jonah and God are concerned. But Jonah is concerned about Jonah's concerns. He is the poster child for it's all about me thinking. Which is the thinking that has dominated every time and every culture to this day. It dominates our politics. We don't vote over what's best for the majority. We vote for what's best for me. It dominates our economics and the way we use our money. It even dominates our faith. Many people never move past a level of faith that goes no deeper than help me, bless me. And sadly... Many preachers and pastors baptize that shallow me faith by building it's all about you churches. 
Oh, you can find them everywhere. They even promote themselves. Hey, we built this church with you in mind. And so what happens when you get people to come to church who think it's all about me and you tell them church is all about you? Well, you get what you deserve. A church full of people who were constantly unhappy about plant issues. I talk with preachers and pastors all over the country. And when I do, I just realize how blessed I am to be here. Because so many of them are so frustrated. There's a great crisis in the church in America. Over 70% of the pastors are quitting. Because they're so tired of trying to keep plant-thinking people happy. Because they don't complain Why aren't we doing more to reach the lost? Why aren't you challenging us to sacrifice more and pray more? But no, it's why isn't this church doing more to make me happy? I'm so thankful that's not the heart of this church. Because here's the truth. What we want most is rarely ever what we need most. And so sometimes, just like Jonah, God intentionally puts us in uncomfortable situations to make us reassess our priorities and discern whether our concerns are lining up with God's concerns. Because God, frankly, isn't very concerned about a lot of the stuff that concerns us. God is concerned for those who are ignorant and even disobedient. He says, there's 120,000 people there, Jonah. They don't even know their right hand from the left. They're kids, Jonah. They're just kids. And yes, Jonah, that's... that's city is full of a lot of people that do know right from wrong and they do wrong anyway. But Jonah, here's the truth. I am full of concern for both groups. See, that's just what God is like. And the story is asking us to like what God is like. And God is saying, Jonah, I just don't divide the world up like you do. I don't divide the world up. Friends and enemies. I don't divide the world up, them and us. I divide the world up, my found children and my lost children. And the story is asking us to start looking at the world through the eyes of God, especially the great cities of the world. And so, not long after we sent... Two of our own who grew up here, Scott and Kevin Reynolds and their families to Rio de Janeiro, I had the privilege to go visit them. And while we were there, they were having a soccer match in the great Maracanã Stadium between two of the most famous clubs in the world. And we got tickets to go, 120,000 people, just so passionate about a game. A game that... Ten years later, most probably can't even remember, took place. And in that energetic electric environment, I began to feel a burden. I think it was the Holy Spirit. 
120,000 people packed in a small space to watch men kick a ball. And I began to say, God, will I ever live to see 120,000 people here to hear the gospel? God, if, if you'll make that day happen, I'll, I'll come and I'll preach. And if you don't want me to preach, I'll pray for who you send. But I think for just a moment, I began to see a city the way God does. Who deserves to hear the message of God? Well, in one sense, nobody does. None of us have earned His favor. But in the other sense, everyone does. Because God is concerned for all of His children. His found and his loss. That's why we have a Harvest Weekend. That's why we have a 2020 vision to support missionaries and to send people on mission trips and to plant churches. In fact, I'm going to ask Chris Hatchett to join me uh, because he led a team just recently of people from all three campuses of our church to a modern day Nineveh that is only a couple of hours away from here to Haiti. And so, Chris, tell us just for a second. Who went, what did you do, uh, and how did you see God work? Well, as Rick said, we had a group of 25 people from all three campuses of the hills. And we went to do a medical mission trip with a ministry called Live Beyond. Uh, Live Beyond was started a few years ago by David and Lori Vanderpool. And they've moved to Haiti now to one region that's called Tomazo. And they've moved there to transform the community of Tomazo through uh, the mission of bringing Jesus Christ to them. And uh, so we went and joined them by doing a medical clinic. We would drive each day into the surrounding communities and bring patients into this clinic where we uh, would take care of their needs, clean them, feed them. Uh, And during that week, we saw over 600 patients. And so some of our folks that went were doctors and nurses and medical professionals, and some were just people with servant hearts saying, just give me something to do. And you saw the disobedient and the ignorant, and you saw darkness. So tell us a little bit about how your heart connected to the heart of God while you were there. Well, when you think of Haiti, you probably think of a country that was ravaged by an earthquake. In fact, when that earthquake hit, I believe in 2009, 300,000 people died in that earthquake. And that's just amazing in itself for this country that's hit by that. But this area where we were wasn't affected by the earthquake at all. Uh, But yet it's one of the five poorest areas in the world. And it was just amazing to me to see this place that was just an hour and a half south of Miami for us in our eastern time zone that has people living this way. No electricity, no water, disease, no clothes, eating very little. And it really, it really touched us with what God was doing there. In fact, the best way for me to do this is to tell you a couple of stories of the ignorant and the disobedient. This first picture is of a mom and her baby. And this baby was born at 32 weeks. And when it came into our clinic, it was five weeks old and weighed three pounds and 14 ounces. If, it's in, if it was in the States, it would still be an NICU. And you can tell in the mom's eyes almost this distance because she had already lost two children to malnutrition and she wouldn't name this little girl. 
because she knew she would lose her too. And through a week of seeing our ladies love on this baby and us going and getting it every day and bringing in to feed it, uh, the mom became more nurturing herself. And by the end of the week on Thursday, named her daughter Hope. And so we continue to pray for Hope. But this next picture is another mom. It's Maisie. Maisie is a 40-year-old mother of eight. And Maisie first came to Live Beyond about 18 months ago when she came in for what they called fourth-degree burns on her feet and on her legs because she was a voodoo priestess. And in voodoo rituals would walk across fire. And the Live Beyond staff washed her feet and her legs. They put antibiotic cream and and things that she needed on those wounds to help heal her legs. And through their love and compassion, she became a believer in Jesus Christ. And the baby that she's holding is her eight-month-old Angelo. And he's the first one of her eight children born to a believer in Jesus Christ. And they said that you can tell the difference in Angelo compared to her other children because of the difference in his mother. And so the disobedient as well as the ignorant are are right under our nose. This is in our eastern time zone. We don't have to, to travel to the other end of the earth to see people that are hurting. In fact, that's why I love Harvest so much. It's, we're doing it in the United States as well because the poor and, and those that don't know Jesus are right here too. But for me, when I go and I come in contact with the people that God has a heart for, it changes me because I have to rely on him. So one last story. Uh, there was an area in Tomazo called Larat, and we were going there on Wednesday of the week. And before we went, the Live Beyond staff warned us. They said, this is the darkest area we serve, filled with voodoo, with darkness, with mean people. In fact, Live Beyond staff members have been assaulted going in to share the gospel in this area. And so the night before we went, we just prayed that God would be glorified, that he would change Larat. And so the next morning, I drove a truck into that area and was overwhelmed by a crowd that quite frankly scared me. Scared as I drove this truck, somebody might fall off of it, but scared of, of what would happen from what I had heard. And as I drive them closer to live beyond, I hear singing in the back of the truck. And when I figure out what it is, they're singing, how great, how great thou art in Creole. You see, we got to see God answer a prayer. But it happens when we go and when we realize that God's promises just aren't for those of us that live here. God's promises are for all the nations. Amen. That's why we ask you to give your money. That's why we ask you to go on short-term missions. That's why we ask you to consider actually spending a part of your life, taking your school set to another part of the world. The thing is, God is going to love the world with or without our consent. But He is inviting us to join Him on His mission. Will you sacrifice financially for the mission of God? Will you consider ever spending any part of your life in another country for the mission of God? 
Will you pray and encourage your children to think about being missionaries and moving to another country and living for the mission of God? And if we're serious about following Jesus, the answer is yes. Jesus pursued God's mission with a fully engaged heart because he knew the heart of God. And he knew his father was concerned for the whole world, even the animals. Don't you love how it ends? Jonah, why should I destroy that whole city full of kids and cows? You see, God is concerned about the redemption of all creation. And the last words of the book provide another glimpse of just how cosmic the concern of God is. It's a sneak peek at the size of the redemption he has planned. Jonah loved a plant. God loves a planet. And He is intending for every single atom of his creation to be reached by his saving grace. That's why Peter would preach in Acts 3 that Jesus must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. As God has promised long ago through his holy prophets. God is on a mission to transform the world that is into the world that is coming. By the way, creation is concerned about this too. Paul says creation is groaning for its redemption. Creation is not groaning to be destroyed. It's groaning to be redeemed. Creation doesn't want to be put out of its misery. Creation wants to be put back the way it was before sin messed up everything. And God is going to do this. That's why I say he's going to... His redemption is going to reach all of creation. It's going to reach the people. It's going to reach the animals. In fact, I've just got to tell you, I have finally concluded there's even going to be cats in heaven. Because God knows we need something to hunt. The mission of Jesus is the ultimate restoration movement. The Bible says in Romans 8, creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. There is nothing small about the mission of God. There's nothing small about the grace it requires. Nothing small about the sacrifice heaven is making for this mission. And that's why it baffles God that what makes us angry and happy is so pitifully small. God is concerned that we're just not as concerned as He is. We tend to care more about dying plants than we do about dying souls. See, the point of the book of Jonah is not to teach us that God loves the world. The point is that we know God loves the world. And it's still not that big of a concern. We get more passionate about things that make us uncomfortable than we do about people being unsaved. What makes you happy? I mean, really, really happy. Because your team won? Because you got a better car? Because the person you vote for got elected? You know what makes heaven happy? I mean, let's break out and have a party happy when one of God's lost kids comes home.
Heaven is happy. And at some point, we have to ask the question, does what concerns God become very compelling to me? If we're not very concerned about God's mission, we have to wonder, have we really understood and grasped God's grace? God had been so good to Jonah. And he was still unconcerned about those who still needed to taste the goodness of the Lord. The great old preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon was asked one time, Do you really think that people who have never heard the gospel are really lost? And he had a good answer. Do you really think that people that say they believe in Jesus and have never gone anywhere to tell somebody about Jesus are really saved. Jesus only made one direct prayer request. Now, he, he taught us a prayer, and he taught us to pray. But only one time did Jesus directly make a prayer request. It's in Matthew 9. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because he had God's heart. He was concerned. They were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. And that's how the story of Jonah ends. With God wanting Jonah To enter the field. And that's the tension. Will Jonah be swallowed by the mission of God? We already know he can be swallowed by a fish, but that's not even that important. What is real important is will he be swallowed by the passion and by the concern and by the mission of the God he claims that he loves? Will the man that witnessed the greatest revival in history have a revival in his own heart? You say, well, we don't know. And the book just stops. Well, that's the genius of the way the Holy Spirit wrote the book. Because the Holy Spirit wants you and me to finish the story. Because you are Jonah. And so am I. And we get to decide what kind of ending the story gets. Watch this. Meanwhile, God, Jonah climbed a hill above the city and sat down to watch God destroy it. He waited and waited. I feel like a fool. All my work has wasted God is not destroying Nineveh. Jonah. Yes, Lord. Jonah, will you never learn my love? My love is great. It is greater than my anger. And it is for all my creatures. Didn't I give you another chance? Yes, you did. Now I'm giving the Ninevites another chance. 
Go now, Jonah, and try to love as I do. Then you will be a true man of God. Yay for God! He has forgiven us! Yay! Rah! Hooray! So Jonah began his long journey home and tried to love as God had taught him. The end. See, that's the genius of the story. You get to decide if the book of Jonah has a happy ending or not. So what ending are you going to write? Because here's the thing about concern, folks. It's concrete. It's tangible. It's like repentance. If it's real, you can notice it. You notice it by the way you share your faith. You notice it by the way you go. And you notice it by the way you give. So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and you're going to have a chance to give to the mission of God. This is going to support missionaries. This is going to support church planters. This is going to support the people who can go to the places you can't go to preach the gospel. This is God's concern. And so if you're uh, passing our collection plates, would you take your places? And after I pray... You're going to have the chance to tangibly line your concerns up with the concern of God. So, Father, I pray now that you would do a mighty work in our hearts. We need a revival in our hearts, just like Jonah did. Father, we we get happy about the wrong things. And we're not concerned enough sometimes about the right things. And and we repent of that. And one of the ways, Father, we are showing you that we want to be concerned about what you're concerned about is through this offering. So my prayer, God, is that you would cause us to be generous. But not just generous. Joyfully generous. I pray that we will be happy to sacrifice for the things that make heaven happy. And so, God, bless this offering. And by faith, we believe that this time next year, should Jesus not come back, there will be more people, more kids who are found than are right now. Your table will be larger. Your family will grow. Because we have joined you in the mission of God. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.